Hello, film fans. Welcome to the Film vs. Film podcast. My name is Martin Harries, your host, and I'm joined by the film encyclopedia man, Boaz Dix. We are a couple of filmmakers on occasion, but mainly can't stop yapping about movies. On this podcast, every episode we pick a topic from a film that's coming out at the cinema or on VOD. Myself and Boaz pick our favourite film from that topic, or team up against a guest and battle it out to decide which film will become the greatest film of all time. If you enjoy this podcast, please leave us a five-star review and subscribe. Please enjoy part one. Hello, Potteroonies! Welcome to another episode of the Film vs. Film podcast. This week, as Bullet Train is hitting cinemas around the world, we are talking Brad Pitt films. And we have guests again, people. This is very exciting stuff from the Real Thing podcast with two E's. I see what you did there, guys. Uh, Jack and Nick, how are you? Good. Great, thank you. Awesome. <laughs> And I have a confession to make, people. From episode one, I have been talking to myself the whole time. I'm joined by my imaginary friend, Boaz <laughs> Diggs. How are you, sir? Hi. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Man of few words. Yeah. <laughs> Important words. Interesting that we will be talking about an interesting uh, movie to do with that. Yes, exactly. Yes. yes. <laughs> we may be breaking many rules. Um, yeah, the first two, at least. So, guys... Jack and Nick, tell us about your podcast. Where can we find you? I've listened to a few. It sounds very detailed (laughs) on your movies. So we can be found on iTunes, uh, Spotify. All the major platforms, I think, pretty much. Yeah. And we basically review uh, classic movies that are kind of off the beaten track. We review the movies in, in detail, and then we have big roundabout discussion about what we liked about the movie, how, or more importantly, how to get into a movie that might be hard to get into. We want to not only kind of in a way educate people, but we want them to see uh, and understand a wider uh, variety of movies and hope that they enjoy it as much as we do. Uh, We've been doing this uh, now for a little over a year and it's been very successful for us. Awesome. Our main goal, I think, is to take films that, as Nick said, are either, you know, a little off the beaten track or that we think is a film that might be a difficult one for people to get into, like older films or Shakespearean films or musicals. You know, I mean, we'll try and touch on anything, but the the objective is to try and see if we can help some people uh, that feel they're ready to transition out of the typical Hollywood fair into you know a little bit more artistic filmmaking awesome is there an episode you would recommend to people i mean we just recently did an episode on gojira the 1954 original godzilla nice that was a lot of fun your favorites uh nick uh my some of my favorite we we covered our first alfred hitchcock movie uh, north by northwest that was fun we did a uh, sergio leone uh good bad and the ugly our first episode was one. <laughs> but again, that it's with that idea that, you know, 2001 is historically a film that is difficult for a lot of people to access. Mm. Wasn't it a big flop when it came out? Or a lot of people didn't like it? Yeah, it was a commercial flop. But I mean, yeah. but the critics, the critics knew they knew that that it was something special. I mean, it's funny that we should mention this because, you know, they, they felt the same way about Fight Club mm. when it first came yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that I'd recommend any particular episode more than others, but I mean, those are some of the ones that we've done that have been a lot yeah. of fun. We'll do old, new, we don't care. We've done Midsommar and Hereditary by Ari Aster. So, I mean, we'll go anywhere. So the new movie that's coming out, Bullet Train, that we're relating this episode to, I mean, when it was first announced and, you know, Brad Pitt was in it and David Leach was directing it. I thought, oh, oh, cool. This is going to be a very like hard nose, like atomic blonde style movie, you know, very serious, bloody, violent. And when the first trailer came out, I was like, oh, this is different. This is very comedic. <laughs> um, I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, it looks very interesting, a bit different. For Yes, he did Deadpool 2, um, which was a lot of fun. 
Um, so I think he's very much leaning into more of the comedy side with his movies. Yeah. Yeah. What do you guys think about Bullet Train? Are you excited about it or trepidatious? I, I it looked very uh stylistic, kind of a very fast paced movie, almost almost like the glitz that they show in like a Fast and Furious movie, in the sense that there's it's just very yeah. fast paced and it looks like a lot of fun. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. It it doesn't look like it's uh, you know, gonna be anything too uh serious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thought provoking. No, yeah. <laughs> just turn your brain off, just have a good time. Yeah. Or just ride it, ride the way. <laughs> yeah, ride the train. Ride the train. <laughs> I think it looks interesting. I don't think it looks like special enough that it's going to stick with me, but it does look like it's just it's a, a comedy action film, uh, probably like uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith or something like that, which he's done before, but probably with less romance. I don't don't see any sort of romantic lead. So, uh, but I definitely like the style. I like Tokyo, and I like the fact that it's set in Japan. I mean, Tokyo is always a colorful city to uh, mm. to to produce. It's such a fun city to watch action scenes in absolutely i agree with that it just looks so like it's colorful and like futuristic and what have you yeah. and so if you're having a fun light-hearted action scene in tokyo it's just it's like the perfect perfect city to have it yeah you've got giant jumbotron screens that are like <laughs> you know, size of a building yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely so uh, i think we decided to go with our pick first boaz so we picked Killing Them Softly from 2012. Andrew Dominic, he previously worked with Brad Pitt on the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. Oh. I always find that was a bit of a mouthful, that film, uh, that title. It is. (laughs) You know, I love that movie. Kind of connects with your choice as well, because Fincher worked with Brad Pitt on Fight Club for the second time as well. So it's kind of similar here. Dominic works with Brad Pitt for the second time on this film. But I mean, getting to that choice, we were thinking Fury, Ad Astra, and Assassination of Jesse James. So we've eventually went with Killing Them Softly. Um, I did find this one quite a difficult choice, um, because there's a lot of good Brad Pitt films for me. So what do we, just initial reactions, what did we think of this one? I thought the, the characters were pretty good. I don't know if I liked all the scenes in the movie. Like, basically, I thought the characters were written very well. The yeah. scenes that the characters were in, I don't think were as written as well as it could have been. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jack? I pretty much got to concur with Nick. I thought the characters were great. I thought the acting, uh, if the one thing that this movie had in spades was cast. Great cast. Brad Pitt, James Gandolfini, Ben Mendelsohn, Richard Jenkins, just good choices. Yeah. Just good cho- uh, Scoop McNary. They just, they were all great. And unfortunately, but the writing and the direction was not there to back it up. Interesting. Uh, obviously, we, I forgot to mention, we picked this as well because we hadn't seen it before. Well, I hadn't seen it before. Which sometimes we go for films like that. So, had you seen this before, Bowers? Yes, I had, yeah. So what was your initial reactions to this one then? So, you know, I, I still do quite like it. I think with me, I resonate really well with the direction. Like, I think there's some really interesting <laughs> visual choices and and ways that um, scenes are framed. Again, like some really good transitions. I love me some transitions. I, w- I, I think as a concept for the script, it's an interesting concept. It wasn't like, you know what I mean? It's It's not that satisfying. <laughs> Well, I really liked it. Yeah. No, I, I genuinely, I genuinely <laughs> did really like it. I do like it. I do like this film. And also, we we picked a different movie because, like, well, there's no way in hell we're going to beat Fight Club, so let's yeah, pick yeah. a bit something a bit different. Yeah. So, <laughs> I think they missed an opportunity by not fleshing the relationship out between Pitt and Gandolfini more. I, I think there was a yeah. lot more that could have been explored with those two characters and it wasn't mm. done. So I think as well, like a, a lot of the cast feels quite one dimensional as characters, but I think this is probably on purpose because I think, you know, I think as it's very clear that this, this film is an, is uh it's meant to represent something. And particularly when it keeps going into speeches by the president and talks about the economic collapse and, um, elections, 
it's definitely meant to be an allegory for exactly what happened and how it was dealt with. Mm. Yeah. And that was what I meant about the on the nose messaging. Yeah, yeah. So it's very on the nose and it's very it's very allegorical. So I think that yeah. doesn't give you so it's it's kind of a double edged sword. One, it can be very, very clever if you understand the allegory. Um so I understood some of the allegory, but it does feel like I have to watch a documentary that sort of spells out exactly who was who, yeah? So I can appreciate that more. But I think if you're doing allegory, then you can't make the characters too three-dimensional because then otherwise the allegory can be very easily lost. You know, if they're if they're they're too yeah. well-rounded, then they're not representing singular concepts. So Boaz, what happens in Killing Them Softly? So Killing Them Softly is about, like, basically a, a, a mob heist that goes wrong. These two criminals called uh, Russell and Frankie, uh, they decide they're very short on money, so they decide to rob a a mob game, a mob card game, which is... By Ray Liotta. Yeah, which is run by <laughs> Ray Liotta, uh, called Marky. And... You know, they think, okay, if we rob his game, he'll get blamed for it because he's robbed his own game previously. So they do that. Everybody blames Marky, you know, thinking he's robbed his own game. And uh, the mob send Brad Pitt, whose character is called Jackie Cogan, to sort of, he's an assassin sent to sort of sort, sort this out, find out who robbed the game and, you know, kill them. He finds out who it really was, but he kind of argues that they should still kill Marky. And so it's basically just him mopping up, you know, mopping up all the people involved in uh, in the card <laughs> game. And yeah, that's basically it. Like the the plot is fairly basic. Yeah. yeah. So it's fairly straightforward. It's definitely on the nose. Um, it even starts with a uh, discussion about just after the financial mm. collapse and uh, Obama talking about it. But like you said, the allegory is actually interesting if you can, if you can follow yeah. it all the way. But like you said, I found it difficult. Yeah. So I I feel like if you were very you know because unlike uh, say for example what's that other film that that talks about the the Big Short the Big Short kind of yeah it kind of it kind of goes and it really explains everything I think this this is a plot yeah that if you had no idea it's just a plot about a card game and it does constantly mention the recession mm -hmm. but I think if you kind of were in the know you know it doesn't spell it out but if you were in the know I think. You you would get the uh, yeah. intricacies, but it, it right. feels like you need like supplementary watching to really appreciate it. But you know, so directing then, I found the opening shots fascinating as we hear like Barack Obama giving a speech, but the credits interrupt what he's saying with this really like jarring music. Yeah, it sounds like a horror movie. I, you know, I always found that opening incredibly peculiar. Yeah, you see Frankie looking like very worse for wear, and you know walks out of this tunnel with litter everywhere. So immediately the film is telling you that there's clear opposition, as you were saying, Bo, as what of what we're seeing on screen and what the media is telling us through the movie about this world. The film very much, uh, in a stylistic way, I guess, puts you in, in, in this world through the, you know, the directing, I would say. I really like the little scene where Dylan and Kenny think marky rayleigh as character stole the money from the first card game you know they turn up to his house his little house and the camera stays on the outside of the house and they beat up marky <laughs> push him through the window pull him back and then end up throwing marky out of the back <laughs> it's just like a simple like panning shot basically following the sound effects of the fight because hmm. you can't see what's going on until the end and it's really stylistic and efficient you know, they could have built a set to have a, like a grander fight scene there, and there's no and there's no way you could fit like a camera crew in that house. Mm. So, <laughs> Andrew Dominic, the director, must have been like, "Well, let's just do a simple panning shot from outside the building. Job done. Move mm. on." And it keeps with like the black comedy tone too, uh, instead of doing like a full blown fight scene. So, I quite like quite like the efficiency in that little sequence there. It it also I, I kind of also like that because. Even though it's a big deal for some guy to get the crap beaten out of him, uh, you know, uh, uh, under interrogation. So you would usually film that scene with like multiple cuts, multiple close angles, like sort of choreography. Yeah. But to just do like a gentle pan, it's kind of like, this is just another day for these fucking people. Like, this is not important. <laughs> yeah. They beat up guys like all the time. This is not a yeah. big deal. I think, yeah. I think that definitely tells you something about the business mm. they're in. But then like the tone of 
Marky getting beaten up the second time shifts very graphically, in my opinion. Mm. When these characters, Stevie and Barry, turn up and follow Marky, uh, Trapman, Ray Liotta's character, the camera's all pretty smooth. And then when the first punch lands, it's all kind of like handheld. And we've seen this type of thing before, but what made it extremely violent for me was these crunching sounds. I don't know if you noticed that after each impact. The wet, wet wet crunching sound, yeah. It felt really horrible to watch and hear in that, and it just felt like, oh, God. We'll talk more about that. (laughs) (laughs) Did that scene, like, make you wince, people? A little bit, yeah. When a scene like that is done effectively, and and when I said that I didn't feel the the direction was there, there definitely were some interesting things that Dominic did that I enjoyed. I wished I had seen a little more mm-hmm. on the character side, but yes, that in particular was very effective. I also, um, what was it? You remember when he like vomits on him as well? Um, oh, yeah, yeah, that was that was pretty fucked up. <laughs> and Ray Liotta, can we just talk about how Ray Liotta was the perfect choice oh, yeah. for that role? Yeah. yeah, I mean, he. Towards the end of his career, I would say the last, I don't know, 10 or so years of his career, he really locked down that old gangster who was just fucked up and just couldn't get a break and couldn't do anything right. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? It's like locked (laughs) down that 'er ne'er-do-well gangster that just can't seem to catch a break. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there is something a bit depressing as well, like, so yeah. this is one of his last films and he's just yeah. getting beat beat the <laughs> shit out of <laughs> yeah as far as how it handled the uh the violence and the uh and that scene the crazy car yeah, scene was, good. was just <laughs> it just gets hit from yeah. every possible angle yeah. <laughs> i just felt that was from a different movie i was like this is just tonally so different yeah. to the rest of the movie it still looks incredible i just felt like andrew dominic just didn't turn up that day <laughs> and Zack Schneider just was sat in his place yeah. and just like, yeah, Zack, do what you want, you know. Cool. I want to use lots of slow-mo <laughs> yeah. here. No, but I th- I think the I think the difference in direction I think makes it stand out more because I would say I think the word that I would have for most of the direction except that scene is minimalist. You know, it's not huge amounts of cuts, it's not huge amounts of pans, it's not yeah. you know, it's yeah. it's really a lot of steady cam and a lot of tracking shots and uh, a lot of kind of uh, mid or far away shots and stuff like that. So it's fairly, very minimalist. Mm. And then you compare most of the film with that scene where it's like just everything under the book, like super slow motion, fucking, yeah. uh, uh, you know, loads and loads of cuts, rain, cars, you know, operatic music. It's like just throws everything. That one scene where he's getting shot at, it's just amazing. It just... All of a sudden, it's like it's like you said. It's it's very much out of nowhere. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, that definitely sticks with me just because of how different it is from the rest of the film. I don't think that's particularly a bad thing. I think it. I think it just sticks out a lot more. Get fast and furious, dropped mm. in the middle of Goodfellas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Not that it's as yeah, good as no, Goodfellas, yeah. but you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, I liked it. It's just, I mean, was yeah. I was just trying to figure out what why this was decision was made was it just because jackie brad pitt's character hasn't like hit anyone in a while and you get this like elation feeling from his character i don't know but i don't think that was the case the other thing that felt to me a little a little too manufactured i guess was the the big ending of this is America, God damn it. You know, okay. that whole <laughs> that whole thing was kind of like, okay. <laughs> I quite like that. Yeah, I kind of liked it as well. I must admit. I think it, it does tie the whole film together for me. Obviously, we're not Americans. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> but... As far as what it was saying, absolutely. But, you know, it was <laughs> it, for me, it was just a little bit like, okay. <laughs> it might be because for I don't know. We, I, things are just so politically weird right <laughs> yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I kind of get what you mean. Like, if there was, you know, that scene is so, like, over the top. And I guess because the character of Marky is somewhat important, because, you know, it's his card game, necessarily Dylan doesn't want him dead, but it's like he's been kind of pushing for this, um, Brad Pitt's character. And so, you know, I guess it's kind of, you know, it's, it's symbolically quite important, yeah. But um, I would say, like, 
Yeah, I, I, it's there's not much catharsis in it because he doesn't mean much to Brad. This isn't no. personal. <laughs> it's just a job. Yeah, it's just a job. You know, maybe if they had more interactions or any interactions, he has no interactions with, you know, so if they had some sort of heartfelt interaction. Oh, okay. Or what if he that scene was actually him doing it to James Gandolfini? Because, like, that's the only, like, pure yeah. bunch of interactions you have, them talking. What if he had to whack James Gandolfini and, you know, he had to do that? Then you'd probably get a lot more to... That's why I said I thought that there was, there was a lot more opportunity to explore yeah. with mm. those two characters. Yeah, I think maybe there would have been a lot more catharsis in that scene. I, I thought it was cool, but, yeah, not, not as cathartic because you're like, mm. yeah, he's getting murdered really crazily. But, you know, um, is there any emotional yeah. payoff to that? Yeah. Then when you have the hit on Squirrel, it's directed with like no flair whatsoever. No. It's like completely the opposite in terms of style. Yeah. Like loads of wide shots. Uh, you see the first shot, gunshot from really far away with like no slow motion at all, and yet it still felt quite thrilling and tense. Mm. And it fitted perfectly with the tone of the rest of the film. So I definitely preferred that scene to the slow mo one. Well, e- even even the final death with um, you know the the last um, thief Frankie and how yeah. that was just like you know it's a mid shot you know from the back of the car they're just talking oh you got to do that yeah yeah I know and then get rid of the car yeah yeah I know and then just bang shoots him in the head like all just in that and again it it does fit this the tone of the film very minimalist and very you know just matter of fact so I thought that was cool one scene I actually quite like you know, from a directing point of view is when uh, Frankie and Russell are doing heroin. <laughs> yeah. I really like that. And I think, I think more people should direct heroin scenes like that, druggy scenes. <laughs> I just thought it was great. Nick and I were talking about that scene. I felt it, it felt a lot to me like the, the scene where the guy loses all his money in, at the card game in uh, two lock, stock and two smoking barrels. And he stands up as uh, yeah. the stooges. I'm, and you start getting that really wobbly, like, look yeah. behind him and everything, like, his ass all yeah. messed up. But if to me, it felt a lot yeah. like that. That's my favorite scene, actually. Yeah, I was going to say that, because it's a kind of way of depicting a bunch of people being on drugs that you don't see enough. And it just makes a lot of sense. It's like he's there talking, da-da-da, <laughs> talking, talking. From his point of view, he's really slow, you know, like the camera's on him. His beads of yeah. sweat really slow. And then a first-person view of <laughs> just basically like Frankie dissolving into light, and it's just light. Yeah, and, and it's like he, he sounds like he's you know underground or something. <laughs> Frankie, Frankie, he's, ah. and then like you know he wakes up and he see and that light turns back into you know. I just love that. I thought that was really really cool. It's just a great way to like because it's essentially an exposition scene of just like forwarding the mm. plot, and it's just done so creatively. Yeah, I just think yeah. it's just a creative way to uh, like spice up. Uh, yeah, again, just an exposition mm-hmm. scene where they're doing drugs, and you just make that part of the <laughs> part of the, yeah. the depiction, part of the camera uh, camera work. Yeah, I just like how that film was. Uh, that scene was kind of cut together. Like a lot of the shots on Mendelssohn were very slow, blurry, and stuff. A lot of like push ins and push outs mm. from his perspective on Frankie, and then kind of cut together with normal shots yeah. as well of Frankie just like. Russell, wake up. (laughs) Come on, man. What did you say? Yeah, what the fuck did you say? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I guess the favorite scene, I I guess would be where where Brad Brad Pitt had killed uh, Ray Liotta's character. I mean, it was a little over, it was a little, I mean, I will admit it was overdone. And to me, in a way, it didn't fit as well as it should have. But I kind of, I like how they did it, even though, I probably would have done it different. I would have shot that a lot differently. Yeah, we were talking about that when uh, you went away. <laughs> yeah. And we were kind of talking that it felt like it was from a different film. Well, I thought that. <laughs> but yeah, stylistically, it's 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 a lot of fun, I yeah. guess. My favorite shot was actually when Ben Mendelsohn gets uh, arrested. <laughs> oh, okay. When the cops come and take him away. I loved the way that looked. It worked perfectly, especially when in the context of being put together with that other scene that Boaz was talking about earlier with the music when they had done the heroin. As far as my favorite scene, actually, I wish I could say it was the scene between Gandolfini and and Pitt, but they didn't take it as far as they could have. Really? Okay. With those two actors, they had a lot of 
opportunity to really do an incredible scene, mm-hmm. like almost to the level of Pacino and De Niro in Heat at the coffee yeah. shop. What? Like it could have been that level. Well, the first scene or the second one? First, the the scene where they have the big talk mm-hmm. about where he's like, "What are you doing? You're you're crazy. You can't keep yeah. doing this. You know, don't worry about me. I'm I got it and all that." That yeah. big scene. Oh, okay. When he's trying to decide if if he's even capable of doing the job that he needs mm-hmm. him to do. Um, I felt that could have gone farther, but the scenes that I actually enjoyed the most were the ones between Brad Pitt and Richard Jenkins. Oh, yeah, they were cool. The guy who's got boots on the ground versus the executive up in the office, you know, deciding what's going to happen and talking to the guy on the street and the guy in the street's going like, yeah, no, you can't do it like that. <laughs> He's trying to educate this guy, and he's like, but is there a way to do it less messy? (laughs) (laughs) Is there a way you can kill them really, really softly? (laughs) You know? (laughs) But I think that was the best parts of Brad Pitt's character was the the interaction with Jenkins, because both of them were, like Jack just said, were coming from two points of view. But the way they would describe things and talk and their interaction was like, they weren't friends, but they were very, they were pretty civil with each other. And I, for me, that was probably the, the best interactions. I mean, Jack's right. I think they could have done a lot more with Pitt and Gal Nolfini. Just, you know, even if it wasn't just that one scene, if they had spread out a couple of interactions throughout the movie, I think would have been good too. So directing score, Jack and Nick, what are you going for? You know what? I was going to give it a six, but I think after talking to you guys and thinking about a lot of the things that you said, I think I'm going to bump it to a seven. Yeah, I would have, I would have said about 6.5. So yeah, seven, seven makes a lot lot of sense. Cool. Sounds like seven. (laughs) Yeah, I think this, there are some really interesting directional choices here. There's one particular scene in, which I'll talk about in screenplay, which I really liked. Just the simplicity of it. There's some great like simplicity in this film from Andrew Dominic. So, Boaz, shall we say like 7.5? 7.8? 7.6? Okay. <laughs> right, people. Screenplay for Killing Them Softly. I found a lot of these characters really disgusting human beings. <laughs> um <laughs> Like the car journey Russell and Frankie have about having sex in prison, you know, Russell jokes about doing it with a dog. He says (laughs) it's like not recommended. That's what I hear. (laughs) Then he talks about having sex with a prostitute. And afterwards, the prostitute says, I'm going to kill myself. And they both kind of wave it off. Russell doesn't even react and even finds it funny. And Frankie just says it doesn't mean anything. You know, they all say it. So when they rob the card game, you're not on their side really at all. Like these guys are idiots. Visually, it helps when the sawn off shotgun has been <laughs> sawn off so short you can see the fucking shells. You know, plus they're wearing bright yellow washing up gloves. Yeah, I was going to say, I love that line where um, where Frankie's like something like, I'm robbing them wearing condoms and holding a fucking grenade. <laughs> 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 he's like this will kill everybody in the room that's why the scene is so tense for me because there's a strong possibility these guys could get killed because they're idiots entering a room full of experienced gangsters (laughs) all of these guys at the table are looking at these two just going like you idiots have no idea how bad we're gonna kill you (laughs) i I, I think it's, it's fucking hilarious as well how like you know the kind of especially because as the film keeps going on and you see like how spineless frankie is how he's like you know take out your pockets everything get you know get everything on the fucking table you're like and these guys looking absolutely furious you're like you are you're gonna fucking die man you are gonna die (laughs) i'm surprised that they showed any kind of restraint because there were at least three guys that were kind of moving you know they had the hands under the table and they're looking at the guys and I thought to myself, in any other movie, in any other situ- situation... Yeah, this would become a gunfight. Those guys never would have made it out. And I'm surprised that they did, because the other thing is, in some movies like that, they always have some guy that is like maybe at the exit or the entrance. So I'm surprised that they were able to back out. 
and kind of run for it the, the way that they did. Yeah, I was half expecting them to get shot in the back. You know, they were only confident because they had they had the guns, they had yeah. weapons. Other than that, they didn't stand a chance. There's no way these guys can make it out of this alive. There's there's mm. no way. <laughs> it, it was a small enough room that that I'm surprised that they they were able to do what they did. Yeah. It was almost like the guys were sitting there looking at these kids, going like, "Shit, I respect these kids, even just for trying yeah. this, even though it's stupid." <laughs> but I'm just watching Dead Men right now. You know, they're gonna get whacked. <laughs> I also kind of like that where Ray Liotta is sort of saying he's saying to um, to Russell, you know. You know, you're going to be in trouble. Just take out your friend and it'll be fine. And, yeah. you know, you can sort of see him considering it. He's like, you know, what? I could. But he doesn't. You know? I really liked Brad Pitt's performance in this and how he's written. Because at the start, he feels like he's on like this equal playing field with everyone else. That the financial crash is affecting everyone. Like he complains about the inconveniences of doing the job. You know, he expresses how things should actually be done. Then when he meets James Gandolfini's character, this disgusting, very dangerous time waster, basically, in Jackie's eyes, Pitt's character. He's not intimidated by him at all. Later, there's a little scene where he walks across the street to meet Frankie and there's like a shooting down the road in the background. And the camera doesn't really make note of that at all doesn't spot it out or anything and jackie just doesn't flinch once and even when frankie is driving so fast after the hit on squirrel you feel like jackie is still in complete control and then at the end when jackie counts his money and it's not the agreed price because of the recession <laughs> you have this amazing shot following pit out of the restroom and he becomes the most intimidating in that scene i would say that ends the film. So I love how the film like subtly builds up this really yeah. intelligent, scary character so subtly. So I've, that was my favorite part of the film, I would say. Because I, I think I like one of one of the last. It was just something very simple as like a, a writing bit. But one of the last times they talk in the car, and he's you know explaining what he he's had to do and the expenses and everything, and the driver or whatever just says, you know, because he, he's trying to light up a cigarette. Can you please not smoke in my car? And he just fucking ignores him and just lights <laughs> up. <laughs> he just completely ignores him. Well, I don't think he completely ignores him. He, he There's a moment where he pauses like, are you serious? He kind of looks at him. <laughs> I'm lighting my cigarette, you know. <laughs> so what do we think of like Brad's, uh, Brad's, uh, Brad's like story arc in this i mean was it very satisfying at the end he doesn't really have an arc i would say so like i don't think he's not that he's not a deep character intimidating <laughs> yeah. at the beginning but compared to that at the end i'm like whoa you don't want to mess with this yeah guy. yeah okay did you guys yeah. feel like feel that or not or am i reading too much into it <laughs> yeah I, th I think it gets more threatening each scene I kind of got from the beginning that he was the guy you don't mess with. I don't feel like he really changed much. I think it just, he revealed more of what he was. I don't feel like he shifted, really. But I think you just saw more of him. But I, it, for me, he was that guy from the old days who was still relevant, but he's reach that point in his career where it's just like he's no braining it he's just going through yeah every day, every job like it's no big deal anymore and it's it's just it looks like he's kind of just doing it yeah. just to do it i think for me i you know i didn't feel like he was too intimidating from the start but the film reveals how intimidating he is as the film progresses for me um i, I thought yeah. that was really subtly done i thought he was pretty good too i think he um yeah, just like what Jack said, where he just, I think he got more intimidating and we got to know him better as the, as the movie progressed. He presented kind of like to me that guy that comes into a certain situation and says, okay, this this is a mess. I'm here to clean it up. I've kind of have an idea of how to deal with this. So mm -hmm. this, is, this is how we should do it. Um, you guys just don't seem to understand how this is coming across to other people. And right. here's my solution. Here's what we're going to do. Because he had a, obviously had a difference of opinion um, with Jenkins' character and just was like, well, you see it from, from up where you are, but this is what people are talking about. 
And this is what this is what we got to take. How this is how we got to take care of it. And this is what's worked for me. I wasn't too fond of like the social commentary stuff in this film at first. We kind of talked a little bit about it because it it did feel quite forced at times because you felt like the film is slightly pausing in moments, especially in the first half of the film, so the viewer can really hear what's going on on the radio or the TV. But I felt by the end where Brad Pitt is talking to Richard Jenkins demanding his money, implying that, you know, the that the Thomas Jefferson quote, all men are created equal, is like a myth and says, America is not a country, America is just a business, now fucking pay me. <laughs> That scene, like you know, wraps up the film really nicely to me in a pretty brutally honest way. So I think, as Jack and Boaz said, it does lean a bit heavy on the audience to begin with. But I did feel that last scene was was pretty good. It definitely was, and certainly for guys like this, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) certainly for guys living in this world, absolutely, yeah, Yeah, that is their reality, Yeah. yeah. I had fun. I enjoyed it. So, you know, if if I were to do anything, I would probably, like, put all of the, you know, president speeches and economists and, like, more at the end or do that more subtly. Because, especially as it just comes out of nowhere sometimes, or mm. everybody is watching stuff to do with the economy. Everybody at every point in time. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's a bit much. So I would have toned that down and maybe just saved it for the end. Yeah, because it just feels intrusive. And then at the end, it makes sense. And he's watching it and you hear the whole speech. And then uh, Brad Pitt is like, that is absolute bullshit. They don't give a fuck about you. Nobody gives a fuck about anybody here. Care about getting paid. That's essentially what he's talking about. And uh, so I like that. I would say one thing that I quite like that I haven't touched on most uh, is like the acting from uh, the fellow who plays, um, is it Russell? And just his character is like one of the most disgusting human beings I have ever seen in my life. And he did have me like chuckling quite loudly, like many, many times with just the insane shit that he would say. Mm-hmm. Remember, he was talking about he was going to have sex with some girls or whatever. And he was like, yeah. he goes, you know, like they're ugly, you know, they're not good enough to rape or something like that. It's like, what the fuck, man? He just said yeah. like the most insane fucking shit, just like yeah. randomly. I kind of agree with his friend, uh, you know, because what was it? Uh, like Frankie is showing this, t- this guy to his boss. And his boss is like, this guy is a fucking idiot. You, you're a liability, you know? That's like Squirrel's like second line yeah. or something, you know? He <laughs> says yeah. it immediately. You just have to yeah. see this guy once and know he's a fucking moron. I guess this yeah. film is really impressive in just creating really despicable yeah. human beings and just yeah. exposing, yeah. you know, what toxic masculinity yeah. can be. I also thought it was funny, like a lot of his, um, like his his ideas on how to make money. Do you remember he was explaining he's gonna, like, oh, he's yeah. stolen dogs and he's gonna take them across the country yeah. and sell these stolen dogs. The stealing dogs is pretty good. Yeah. And then when he makes <laughs> enough money, he's going to buy a, a rock of crack or whatever and then start a business that way. <laughs> that part felt very Guy Ritchie to me. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I, I also like that <laughs> bit where they, they meet up after he's done like selling his dogs and they're going to, you know, do some heroin. And he just like starts tussling, yeah. uh, Russell starts tussling. Frankie's hair. He goes, "Wow, what the fuck is that on your hand?" He's like, "It's dog shit." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. And it was funny too because no matter what, when they got together, he'd always smell. Yeah. He was always commenting how bad he smelled. Yeah, like it's it's like you could just watching him, you could smell him. You know, you're like, God, this man yeah. looks filthy. You know, I almost, I almost feel like you could sense it just by watching. You know, and maybe you just said that, but. By watching this movie, you're like, yeah, he just looks like a guy that would <laughs> smell. I mean, I, I mean, he made me so uncomfortable because he was just that kind of that, like you said, despicable yeah. kind of guy. But yeah. it didn't seem to bother him <laughs> yeah. one bit. He's not, he's not self-aware at all. Not so much. The first time Ben Mendelsohn really impressed me was probably Rogue One. But then after that, I really started paying attention to his yeah. performances, and he's really. He, that guy's good. Well, I mean, compared to, you know, the very, <laughs> yeah. you know, militaristic uh, Imperial and Rogue One, this is like night and day. This is like, you know. Yeah. yeah. Right. 
and then of course the uh, the scrolls in yeah, uh, Captain yeah, Marvel yeah. and yeah. yeah, he's a good actor. Yeah, he's a very good actor. I got to say, this was probably the most yeah. impressed with him I've been. He yeah. he did a great job in this. So favorite lines, people. Mine is, I was drinking before you got out of your father's cock. <laughs> James Gandolfini. Yeah. yeah, that's a really good line. Uh, Jack, you got one? Uh, my favorite line is the the line about the hooker who wanted to kill herself after. And, they okay. said, and he goes, they all do. They all do that. <laughs> That, that was just like, I was yeah. like, what? <laughs> that was, that was funny. Yeah, so uh, I guess my one is like the, the titular line, you know, where he's like, uh, you ever kill anyone? He's like, no, can get touchy-feely, emotional, not fun, a lot of fuss. They cry, they plead, they beg, they piss themselves, they call for their mothers. It gets embarrassing. I like to kill them softly from a distance, yeah. not close enough for feelings. I don't like feelings. You know, I thought that's... Uh, that's a pretty cool line, or a series of lines. Yeah. And, you know, obviously it's got the title in it. No chance to start doing a Miller's Crossing. <laughs> yeah. Please, look at your heart. Look at your heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Look at your heart. <laughs> um, so I like that. Yeah. And, you know, and I do actually like the, the rant that he goes on at the end. So, Jack and Nick, what's your score for screenplay? I don't know. What do you say? I would say about the same, about, about the seven. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I think it's what it lacks in, I, I think, overall cohesion, I think it makes up for in great one-liners. Yeah. So there's kind of a trade-off there. To me, it's not a great story, but there's a lot of great lines in it. Straight seven. Yeah. Cool. Boaz, what should we go with? Yeah, I'm a- I'm actually feeling exactly the same, so I'm thinking a seven. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I just like the fact that it's a nice, taut, short gangster film you don't see very often. I thought it was pretty clever for me. I like, you know, the story arc for Brad Pitt. Yeah. I feel like I'm the one that's quite up on this. but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So I would want to go like 7.8. Wow, really? <laughs> or 8.8. Two. Wow. There you go. In my head, I like the directing more than I like the script. And so I think that's the only reason because I like certain shots and that's okay. why it sticks in my head. 7.5? I'll meet you halfway. Yeah, 7.5. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay. not happy with putting it higher than the, the, than the direction. Oh, I've been very harsh today, people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> acting then. We talked a lot about the acting, but. I just really like Ray Liotta in this film. I think it just took me straight back to Goodfellas when Ray admits that he robbed the first game. He does this incredible laugh straight out of that film, you know, and the scene, do you think I'm funny scene from Goodfellas? And it, it was just a nice nostalgic moment for me. <laughs> I know exactly the laugh you mean. Yeah. <laughs> the <laughs> that one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just took me straight back to Goodfellas yeah. there. Yeah, I thought that was brilliant. Good stuff. I think also like just how how helpless he was when he was getting beaten as well. That's like yeah, night and okay. day. Because you know he is like he yeah. is begging. He's like, please, like listen, God, I just didn't do anything. And they're just kicking the crap out of him. But you're yeah. like, Jesus Christ, this is this is horrible. <laughs> you know, you're just beating this guy up. I was kind of surprised he didn't try to get a punch yeah. in or. Or block or something like I know he would have been beat the way he was, but I'm surprised he didn't put up some kind of defense, even just for a little bit. He looked like he was smart enough to not do anything to make it worse. Yeah, I think that's probably yeah, the thing. Yeah, that's why I got from it because yeah. he already knows he's been warned once. <laughs> if he like put up a fight, I'll just fucking shoot him. Yeah. Let's talk more James Gandolfini because I think for me he's my favorite performance in this film by far. It's just a really interesting set of performance. He has like two scenes, only has two scenes, but in both scenes, he's so compelling because he's this embodiment of toxic masculine, toxic masculinity. <laughs> the way he talks about and two women is really abhorrent. You're just like, God, what disgusting thing is going to come out of his mouth next? But there's an element of his performance where you do feel slightly sympathetic towards him, that he misses the good old days. Um, because you can clearly see his life is in the toilet. You can read that on his face so clearly and that he's really suffering, even though he deserves it. But you can't take his eyes off him in, in those scenes. I think he's just extraordinary in the, both those scenes. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I, yeah, I do especially like his scenes, especially how he can like he switches on a dime from like trying to be like cool and collected to being like almost like he's going to burst with anger. Even like you know, the guy has got the alcohol wrong. He's like, you fucking, you know what I mean? Where the fuck are you driving from? You know, like, did you take a plane? <laughs> like, what the fuck? To you know, he does feel <laughs> yeah. like he's going to sob or whatever, and then corrects himself. So he does feel. You know, and I like even in the second scene with the hooker as well, because he goes from like happy and cute to like pissed off to quite paranoid, uh, to like very agoraphobic. He doesn't want to go outside to fake confidence to so he's like you do feel like he's wrestling with like a lot in his head. And that's that's coming out pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. I think as soon as you we meet Gandolfini in that second scene in the hotel room. You're like, yeah, he's not going to help Brad Pitt in the second hit at all. <laughs> There's going to be a problem. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I agree with both of you. I think Gandolfini was amazing uh, in this role. This, this is the kind of role that we've come to know him uh, for doing so well, which is that the tough guy that that toxic masculinity that, the tough guy, but who is cracking yeah. Yeah. under the pressure underneath. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Like he's trying so so hard to keep the facade over, you know. Yeah, it's just it's a it, it was very visceral in how it came across, and and Gandolfini is just very very good at at mm. selling that. And it was it was interesting to watch Brad Pitt talking to him and listening. Do you ever see uh, Michael Clayton? With uh, George Clooney. I just saw that probably two ago. There's some conversations that go on between him and Tom Wilkerson because it's kind of a similar relationship where Tom's, Tom Wilkerson is the old guy that's been around since the old days. And and it's kind of a, a similar thing. But Clooney, he, he's got that very similar – you know, he's the guy who's on rock-solid ground trying to keep this guy – from drifting out into the open sea mm. and he's just trying to hold on to him, you know, and that's, it feels like that's kind of what Brad Pitt is doing here is going like, okay, this guy's my old friend. I want to be sympathetic. I want to help him out, but what's it going to cost me to mm. do it? I kind of wish we had seen yeah. more of it. Even if he had attempted to help Brad Pitt's uh, character, you know, just, and failed and kind of realized, you know, that it's, it's, he's kind of past mm -hmm. his prime or he's somehow showed that he kind of yeah. struggled. But I, but I think him coming to the realization that, that it, he wasn't going to really help in that second scene was, yeah. was probably good enough. Like um, Jack said, he did it very, I thought he did very well. He, he really knows how to play those kinds of roles, the, the Tony Soprano kind of thing. But, this was, not, I mean, obviously it wasn't Tony Soprano, but but it almost felt like maybe this could have been maybe Tony Soprano years yeah. later, a little bit, where he he'd done he'd done a bunch of stuff and he just couldn't get out of his own way after a while. Yeah, Tony Soprano as a lower level lieutenant. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think even what was it? They could have added an extra scene. I think even by way of the script, they definitely could. Yeah. I would have loved to watch his setup because when he goes to uh, the driver and he's like, you know, I think he's out of it. He's no good. So we'll just pay uh, like a prostitute $500 to like humiliate him and then he'll hit her and then he'll break her, his parole. And that's apparently what happened off screen. I think the film does this a bit too much where it tells and doesn't show. And I would have liked to see that. They like set him out up where... Yeah. He fucking ruins his life. I would have liked to see that scene. I think that's a big part of how this movie stayed under 90 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Jack, what's your favorite performance? Gandolfini, I think, gave the best dramatic performance. But personally, I just love Ben Mendelsohn. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm going to agree. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think he's the most entertaining performance there. It's like... He's definitely the most entertaining and, and yeah. the fun to watch, but Gandolfini definitely gave the most yeah. meat yeah. on the bone, for sure. I would probably go with uh, Gandolfini. I mean, yeah. not saying Mendelssohn was, was, was bad by any comparison, but I like Gandolfini's, uh, especially the first scene where they're sitting together. And like Jack said, if if they could have 
spent just a little more time. It could have been kind of that like a scene from mm-hmm. uh, Heat, but I like I just like the interaction with him and uh, Pitt, and that to me was my favorite. But I thought it was the best. Yeah, there was good chemistry yeah. between them. Yeah, score for acting, Jack and Nick. What are you going for? I'm gonna give acting eight point five. All right, I was gonna give it an eight, but to to submit both of ours together, yeah, eight point five. We can do 8.25. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bowers, what should we go for, for acting? I think it's pretty damn good, the acting. I think it's really good, yeah. You want to go on a high eight? Should we be daring and give the film a bit more respectability <laughs> and go nine? <laughs> yeah, let's go a nine. Yeah, I think the acting yeah. is pretty flawless. I like this film. The acting is really outstanding. I would say definitely the acting is the best element of this film by far. Yeah, no, I would agree with that, actually. Yeah. Yeah, let's yeah, go. On I think, especially Gandolfini. I think the guy is mm. extraordinary. So yeah, yeah, solid nine. I think. Right. Let's add up the scores then for killing them softly. I love how there's a theorem to this. Yeah. That's great. Very scientific. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's actually an equation. <laughs> killing them softly gets forty six point six. So I don't think this will be tight. Um, <laughs> That's it for part one. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Check out part two to see who wins. But don't stop there. Get involved and tell us what your favourite films are relating to the episodes. Send us a DM or comment on Instagram and TikTok at Film vs. Film Podcast for Twitter at FVF underscore podcast. If you do, we'll give you a shout out on the next episode. If you're feeling really generous, you can buy us a one-off coffee at our Buy Me A Coffee account. Remember, please leave us a five-star review and subscribe. Pod signing off. (laughs) 